Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. Today I want to continue our series called Caught. Our series called Caught. Here's the thought. I've been caught because someone cared enough to fish. Let's make sure that we are fishing and bringing with us to heaven those we have caught as well. I'm not coming by myself, but I'm bringing a stringer full of people with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's look at our series text. It's found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 says, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mark 1, 17 said, Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Last week we, take, uh, we took some time and we talked about how that really speaks of an incarnational quality where we don't just emulate or, or follow or just listen to his example but we in actuality become like Jesus. That, that he becomes me and I become him and we are incarnated together so that I am living in him and he is living in me and I am becoming everything that God desires for me to be. God wants you to become more than you are today. God wants you to be made into more than what you are today. Amen. And so we talked about how that is speaking of His heart beating in concert with mine. I said to you that He lives in us only to the extent that we choose to live in Him. And if you didn't get that last week, you ought to write that down because that's true and that's good if we only, he only lives in us to the extent that we live in Him. As you become the person that God intends you to become, you will automatically reach the people God intends you to reach. Because you cannot become God's fishers of men without becoming like Jesus and reaching the people that God puts in your pathway to reach. People that are within your influence and within your reach. We talked about how effectiveness in reaching people isn't as much about how far along you are in your journey as it is what direction you're moving. It's not about how long and how far you have journeyed, but it is about the direction that you are moving. And if you are moving towards Jesus, then you have effectiveness in reaching people automatically. We talked about the first step in becoming a fisher is to develop a reputation of love. We established that we all have reputations. Some of, them, some of them are good and some of them are not good. But we all have reputations. Jesus' reputation we see in Matthew 4.24. It says word got around about Jesus. He had a reputation. He was going around Galilee and he was healing the sick. He was touching lives. He was ministering to people. He was feeding folks. He was doing all of these things that express the love of Christ. He then, after he, he loved them and he showed them love in a tangible way, he then preached to them and told them about the way to the kingdom. But he did not do that until he had already built a reputation that said, I love you and I care about you and I'm here for you beyond what you can do for me in my kingdom. 
So to become a fisher, the reputation of the son must be represented in his church. His reputation has to be our reputation. We want to be those people that are always doing something for somebody else. We want to be those people that love their community. Those people that care for their neighbors. Those people that are there for you when you're hurting and when you're going through difficult times. We want to be those people. And I challenged you last week with the question, and the question was this, what is the most loving thing I can do right now? When you're in the situation that demands that you love somebody that is, that is unlovable, that is hard to love, someone that has wronged you, someone that has done, done you in the wrong way, then what the question that must be asked is what is the most loving thing that I can do right now in this situation? This, this question directs our actions. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible just for practical application purposes this morning. And so you can, you can read along with me on the screens this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says, To you who are ready for the truth. I believe that our church is poised and ready for a lift. It's poised and ready for a shift in mentality. It is poised and ready for a, a course change. And we are ready to hear the truth for us in this next level. Is anybody in the room ready to hear some truth this morning? All right, all right, I believe you. I believe you. You've convinced me this morning. It says this, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Oh, Lord, I'm convicted. Anybody else convicted already this morning? Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. I come from a name-calling family. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just getting real with you this morning. We, we are name callers by nature, okay? So you're either an idiot, you're stupid, you're dumb, you didn't do it right, you're a moron, something. But we're going to call you a name at some point or another. I have worked diligently not to continue in that pathway because I very much believe that the what you call something is what you can expect it to act like. And so when you call your situation troubled... You got a troubled situation. When you call your kids dumb, you got some dumb kids. When you call your spouse cantankerous and, and stubborn and hard to deal with, guess what you got? Back to trouble. So we've got to call things like they are. But the best needs to be brought out of us in bad situations, not the worst. The worst that I can do is call something based on how I feel. The best I can do is say, hold on. What is the most loving thing I can do in this situation? And a lot of times that's just let it go. A lot of times that's just not acknowledge it. A lot of times that's just move on, right? When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Where are you investing your energies today? I'm investing my energies, Pastor, in getting them back. That may not be the best place to invest your energies. I'm investing my energies and making them pay. That's not what Jesus said to do. He said, invest your energies uh, into prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. I don't know. 
If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. You want my shirt? All right, fine. I'll wrap my coat up and give that to you too. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Now he's getting into our business. Somebody takes advantage of me. I want to make sure that they know that, that they pay for that. That's not what Jesus said to do. He said, make sure that you practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Here's the simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. The uh, golden rule is not do unto others as they do to you. Treat people like they treat you. It's treat people like you want to be treated, regardless of how they treat you. Amen. So take the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill centers do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety centers do that. I don't know what the difference between a run-of-the-mill center and a garden variety center is, but that might be a good study. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us generously and graciously. Aren't you glad today? Everybody in the house ought to be glad today that you have a Father who lives out before you graciously and generously regardless of what you do for Him. Amen. Even when you're at your worst. So when it comes to being a fisher... I told you that your reputation precedes you. Your reputation goes before you. Your reputation makes a way for you. And if you don't have credibility, you have no capital to operate with in the kingdom of God. Credibility, listen, is the currency of the kingdom. That's a great tweet right there, I'm just saying. Credibility is the currency of the kingdom. And if people can't look at you and say what they say is backed up by how they live, you have no credibility. Amen. Amen. So let's go on now. I've told you the first step to becoming a fisher is to have a reputation of love. The second step to becoming a fisher is to understand when you aim Christ's love at others, you cannot miss. When you aim Christ's love at others, you cannot miss. How is Christ's love aimed at others? It is aimed through you and through me. It is directed through you and through me. And that's the only way that it is shared and and ministered to and released in other people's lives is through you and through I, through myself. It may not hit the target that we always intend for it to hit, but it will hit a target every single time. You can never go wrong loving people the way Christ loved people. You cannot fail loving people the way Christ loves people. Do you know, and I've said this to you before, but I think it's good to come back to that it takes an average person 12 to 20 nudges of the Holy Spirit before they are ready to accept Christ. So in other words... The first time that somebody is kind to me doesn't necessarily make me want to live for God. 
It doesn't necessarily just break down the walls and, and suddenly I, I want to come to Christ and I want to know this Jesus that you claim to profess. No, it takes 12 to 20 of those little Christ encounters expressed through the lives of individuals before someone is at the point of receptivity where they will receive Christ as their Savior. And so all of us, that's why the body is so important because it's not dependent upon me. I'm going to take a bunch of pressure off of everybody in the room today by saying it's not all dependent upon you whether some individual comes to Christ. But it could be uh, dependent upon up to 12 to 20 different individuals along the way that simply obey the Lord in the moment that He prompts them and directs them and obeys Him in the moment of the opportunity that is presented before them. So here's what I'm asking you to do is just be a nudge. Nudge your neighbor and say, be a nudge this morning. Be a nudge. Be a nudge. Be, be that person that pushes them toward Christ. And maybe I should emphasize by saying, be a nudge toward Jesus. Because a, because a lot of you are nudges in here, but you're nudging the wrong direction. People, people want, want river shirts. I've had a bunch of people lately asking for river shirts. We're trying to design some new ones and get some new ones out. But people want river shirts. And some of the people that come and ask me for river shirts, I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to give you one. I really don't know if I want you to have a river shirt. Because I don't need you nudging people in the opposite direction. Uh, of where we're trying to take them, amen? So be a nudge, but be a nudge in the positive. Be a nudge towards Jesus Christ. Be, be someone that, that exemplifies and releases Christ's love and compassion in every situation. And to do that, you have to ask yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do in this moment? The other day at the grocery store, and I was in Walmart, and you have a lot of God moments in Walmart. You know that? You have a lot of, lot of devil moments in Walmart too. And you have to make the right choices there. But, but, but I was in line and it was a short line, I thought. Uh, and there was this lady in front of me and she had two kids. And uh, she had no control over these two kids. I and mean, I felt sorry for her. She was trying to pay out. And uh, they each had a package of ding-dongs. And uh, these two little kids are sitting on top of a box in there, and there's only really room for one, but they're both trying to sit on it. And the bigger one was pushing the little one off, and every time he'd push him off, that little one would pick up those ding-dongs and just go to wailing on the other one's head. I was just waiting for the package to explode and ding-dongs to be all over the store there at Walmart, but that didn't happen. And so she's wailing on that kid, and I'm sitting there thinking, God, I just preached this message. What's the most loving thing that I can do in this situation? And I'm thinking, God, what can I do here? Well, how can I help these people? Well, if I had been a woman, I would have probably intervened, but being a guy, it's kind of just, you know, that's an iffy situation there. And I don't want to come across as some creeper trying to help some lady out in the Walmart. But, but, but those are opportunities, is what I'm saying. They're opportunities to say, ma'am, can I help you with your heathenistic children can I, can, I, can, I do, can I at least take the ding dongs out of their hand the cashier the cashier is looking at me and she's looking at me like sir please help and I'm like ma'am I don't know what to do there is no help 
but I wanted to help a lady. And I, I think, you know, we have to capitalize on those moments. Those are moments to show the love of Christ and show that, that we genuinely care. There's nothing benefiting me from that situation. And so that's just an opportunity to say, you know, God bless you. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> you, you, you need, yeah, you need prayer. I'll be praying for you. The disciples, listen, the disciples knew exactly how they were supposed to love other people because they remembered exactly how Jesus had loved them. And the, the way we know how we're supposed to love other people is simple. We just simply remember how Jesus loved us. And we remember how Jesus loved us through our grandmother, through our mom and through our dad, through that lady at the church or that man at the church that took interest in us, through our neighbor down the street that, that cared enough to come and invest in our lives at some level. That's how we do what Jesus did. We just remember how he loved us and we just repeat that process. Remember how Jesus loved us and demonstrated that same kind of love to other people. He met us where we were and he loved us as we were. You're not going to get infected with sin by simply loving on people who are lost. You're not going to get the sin plague by simply being around people who are lost. Now, I'm not suggesting that you be in fellowship with those people, but I am strongly suggesting that you be in friendship with those people. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And the reason Jesus was able to reach people is because he was their friend. He was not in fellowship with them. He was in fellowship with the disciples. He walked down the road with the disciples. He went and healed people with the disciples. He hung out with the disciples. He had good times with the disciples but he was still friends of sinners. The reason many of us don't reach people for Christ is because we don't know anybody who needs Christ. And that's not Jesus' way. That's not what he did. We need those relationships in our lives. We need to put ourselves in positions where we can reach someone for God. Thank God someone reached out to us. Now do the same for someone else. Being kind, listen to me church, being kind and loving people are not the same things. And I would not even question whether or not this church is kind to people in our, in our community. I don't doubt that you hold the door open for people. I don't doubt that you're kind to others. I don't doubt that you're friendly and, and, and you express kindness to all those around us. But what I would challenge you on is that if we are truly loving people or not. Kindness is being cordial. Kindness is being thoughtful and nice. But loving is, is dirty work sometimes. That means we get down where they're at and we try to pick them up from where they are. That we nudge them along with the Holy Spirit's power and direction and we try to push them towards Jesus Christ. It may mean cutting their grass. It may mean helping them with their kids. It may mean doing some things that otherwise might inconvenience you. But if it puts them towards Christ, and if we're aiming at them with Christ's love, we cannot miss this morning. The great commandment is love your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, and you can't do one without the other. You can't do one without the other. Jesus said everything hangs on two things. 
He said everything is boiled down to two things and that's love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do these two things then you have done well in my kingdom. That's it. You can't do one without the other and nothing else you do matters if you don't do these. Pastor, I took communion 47 times last year. Praise God, but did you love your neighbor? I didn't miss a single church service last year. Wonderful. Did you bring anybody with you to service? I got new boots. Am I stepping on anybody's toes this morning? Because I'm not... I'm not necessarily trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is put us in a place where we have this shift in our mentality that is not about religious activity anymore, but it's about a relationship and it's about building a kingdom of a Savior and His name is Jesus. Amen. Jesus said everything hinges on these two things. Our goal, church, is this, is to love our community in such a way that if we close the doors tomorrow and cease to exist as a church, then even the people who had never visited us on a Sunday would miss us terribly. That if we're not here, there's a gigantic hole that this community cannot ignore. I want to be that intertwined in the community. I want to be that connected in the community. And I'm not talking about a church, the river, although that's part of it. I'm talking about you as individuals. Let's take it further. I want to be the kind of person that if I'm not in Burt Burnett, Burt Burnett knows it. If I'm not involved in the community, there's a hole left there because I was so involved and I was so effective in touching people's lives and ministering to them. Our goal is to be the kind of church that if we close the doors tomorrow, people know it and they miss us. I think we've started something like that with our egg hunt. I think that's a big thing. We have people call us every year. Droves of people call us every year. Are y'all doing your egg hunt? Are you? It means something. It means something. Well, Pastor, that's, there's nothing religious about it. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? That there's not a religious thing about that, and yet it's still bringing people into the kingdom of God, and lives are being touched, and hearts are being touched, and we're just loving our community and loving the people in their community. I think it's wonderful. I love, listen church, I love foreign missions. And I believe in it completely. We, we have to support uh, foreign missions in this church. We, we, we believe in mission trips. We're going to do our mission trip to Mexico again. We'll be here talking about that in, in upcoming weeks. But we believe in foreign missions. But here's the problem. Is that if we have a better reputation with people thousands of miles away than we do in our own hometown, that's a problem. If the people in Puebla, Mexico think more highly of us than the people in Burt Burnett, there's a problem there. And what I'm saying is that we got to start at home. My friends and my neighbors and people I don't even know are dying and going to hell and we have the solution and the cure to what ails them right here. And it is up to us to make a difference in their lives and to bring them into the kingdom of God. Amen. God has not called April and I to simply pastor the river, but he has called us to pastor Burt Burnett. The river is our base of operations. God has not called you only to build the church at the river. He has called you to build the church in Burt Burnett. The river is just a means in which to do it. 
And so I don't want us to be church-minded where we are so consumed with the river and growing the river that we neglect our community. It's about the community. It's about building the church, not our church. It's about building His kingdom, not my kingdom. Amen. And so here, let me just challenge you with this. What if our goal was not to grow our church in Burt Burnett, but to grow every church in Burt Burnett? What if our goal as a people and out of the river was not to grow the river, but to grow every single church in Burt Burnett? Oh yeah, what do you like? What's your flavor? Well, let me tell you where a church is that might fit your flavor. As long as they preach Jesus Christ... They're good by me. And this church has got to lead the initiative that we are not about growing our church and and alienating ourselves from the other churches in this community, but we are about building the kingdom of God, growing every church in this town. And when we do that, God will fill this one to capacity and overflow it. No doubt about it. What would God do? Oh my goodness. What would God do if that was our mentality? When it comes to reaching people, genuine love is the starting point, the ending point, and it is everything in between. For too long the church has tried to do outreach by only telling people about God's love rather than demonstrating God's love. Look with me to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, says, but God, what? That was terrible. That was terrible. All right. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still what? Sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us as sinners. And he didn't just love us by telling us a better way. He loved us by demonstrating his love for us. And how did he do that? By dying on the cross for us. And so God asks us to do the same, that we are to demonstrate His love. Not tell, but demonstrate. Is telling a part of it, Pastor? Absolutely. But not until you have demonstrated. We get the telling before the demonstrating. And that's out of order. You have to demonstrate your love for other people before you ever begin to tell them. And here I will go as far to say this. If you demonstrate Christ's love in the right way to the right person, then he'll ask you about Jesus Christ. And you'll never have to broach that subject. They'll come to you asking you what's different about you. It was amazing when I worked in the oil field. I just went to work. I didn't say anything about being a preacher or didn't carry my Bible in there and set it on the computer, none of that kind of stuff. Didn't, didn't, wear, didn't take my big family Bible and plop it on the desk. None of that stuff. I just simply went in there, was kind to people, loved on people, tried to be genuine with people. I didn't participate in their God-awful activities, but I didn't crucify them for doing it. I just simply said, that's not for me. I don't, I don't do that stuff. And I will promise you, every situation that I was in, every rig that I worked on, I had at least one person that would come to me and say, hey, what's the deal with you? What's up with you? Are you some kind of preacher or something? And I never once had to tell them they broached the subject with me. And it's so funny because what's amazing is how instantly people are convicted without saying a word. 
instantly you would not be surprised, you would be shocked at how many people, once they realized that I was a Christian and had asked me that question, how instantly they became Christians along the way. Well, I was raised in church too, praise God. And then they started using all this Christianese and all this language. It's the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. But it's not because I said anything. It's just simply because I just loved them. I'd go buy them food and bring it to them. Why are you doing this? I just, just want to do it. Just want to do it. And understand that kind of thing. The world doesn't understand that. Because they don't understand that a Savior paid a price he did not owe. I owed a debt that I didn't have to pay because a Savior paid it for me. And while they're sinners, it is up to us to demonstrate Christ's love and show them what Christ is all about. It's hard to believe, hard for people to believe that Jesus cares about them when they aren't sure if his followers do. I will say it again. It's hard for people to believe that Jesus cares about them when they aren't sure if his followers do. If his followers have never expressed genuine, true, unselfish love, how in the world are they to know that there's a Savior who exists, that his whole life is that way? When our starting, listen church, when our starting point for sharing the gospel isn't love, we reduce, it to, we reduce the gospel to a sales pitch. It's just a sales pitch. Hey, come on down and let me see what I can do to get you into a gospel relationship today. What's it going to take today for me to get you in a relationship with Jesus? Eternal security? We got that. How about a little extra blessing? We got that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do just for you because it's you. Unlimited grace. All yours. That's what we reduce it to. It's just a sales pitch. And we come across sleazy. And we come across as though we're trying to get something out of the deal. Instead of just showing the Christ's love that has been represented in our lives, shown to us in our lives, and showing that to someone else. Why is it that the world paints every preacher as some slick-haired salesman? That's why I shaved my head. All of you think I'm bald. I'm not bald. I just shaved my head just so I wouldn't look like all those other people. Amen. Jesus never treated people like targets. He didn't treat them like targets. He loved them and wanted something for them. Genuine love and compassion are incredibly influential. Why? They're influential because they demonstrate and not just tell. The people who have had the biggest impact on you have been those who have loved you most completely with no strings attached. Amen. Jesus told us to demonstrate love. He didn't just say to, to love people. He modeled it for us in the way he lived and even the way he died with people spitting on him, with people mocking him, with people nailing him to a cross. He demonstrated love. It was a choice, not a feeling, that led to an action. And love is always a choice, church. And it always leads to action. 
Love is a choice today. It's something we have to choose. And if we choose it, it will automatically lead you to do something to demonstrate it for those people that it is aimed at. So the question is, what is the most loving thing I can do right now? And that question points us toward taking the right action. All right, the third key, and I'm going to go quick, to making fishers is to understand that our hands only reach up to God to the extent they reach out to people. Our hands only reach up to God to the extent they reach out to people. Well, Pastor, I have a great relationship with God and I haven't won anybody to the Lord in the last 20 years. You might be under an illusion. You might have convinced yourself that you're in a place that you are not in. First John, don't believe me? That's fine. Let's look at 1 John 4.19. Don't take my word for it. Take, take John's word for it. He says, we, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, uh, listen, verse 20. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing, nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? Well, pastor, I don't hate them. Oh, yes, you do. If you keep them from knowing Jesus Christ and not saving them from a devil's hell, you absolutely hate them. Is that too strong? don't matter if it is. I'm going to say it anyway. Because I believe it's true. I believe it's true. If he won't love the person he can't see, how can he love the God he can't see? And verse 21, I love the message. It says this, The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. You've got to love both. Loving God and loving people are proportional to one another. Our hands only reach up to God to the extent that they reach out to people. And I can't say that I'm head over heels in love with the Master this morning. Head over heels in love with God. Pursuing Him to the utmost. If I have done nothing to reach out to the very people that He spent His life reaching and He spent His life dying for. Verse 20 teaches us, I don't really only love God as much as I love the person whom I love the least. Our love for our enemies becomes the ceiling on our love for God. Like I said earlier, people will have a hard time believing God loves them if they're positive, we don't. Not just our enemies, but people who don't share our values, our life choices, our spiritual condition, well, I would never do what they did. You would if you were in the situation they were in. If you had had the same circumstances surrounding your life, you might do exactly what they did. You might have done worse. And the difference here, I think where we struggle, is the difference, can you stay with me for just about five more minutes? All right, I might just nudge your neighbor there and just say, come on, five more minutes. Okay. I think the difficulty that we have is understanding the difference between friendship and fellowship. 
Fellowship is the people that I'm in the boat with. Okay? I mean, it's the people that I spend my life with. It's the people that, 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 are, that are with me on a regular basis. I, the people that I, that I just I hang out with. The people that know me and I spend time with. Those, those are the people I'm in fellowship with. I'm not suggesting today at all that you're in fellowship with sinners. Matter of fact, I'm telling you not to be in fellowship with sinners. I'm telling you that if you, you, you spend your time around people that don't share the Christ values that you share, they're going to begin to pull you away from God. Okay, so I'm not talking about fellowship. We got to be in fellowship with Christians. We got to be in fellowship with people who share our values and people who who are going to help us to get where God's sending us. Okay, but what I'm talking about is friendships, and we are required by God to develop and cultivate friendships with people who are lost because that's the only avenue, the only bridge that can be created to draw them into a relationship with God. And when we begin to lift Christ up in our lives around them, they begin to see Him, they begin to be drawn to Him, and we nudge them toward a relationship with Him. So I'm not suggesting to any of you that you be in fellowship with sinners, but I am suggesting to everyone that you find some people that you can be in friendships with that need Jesus in their life. We have to love people by showing them. Our relationship with Christ is directly represented by how we love the people he died for. And so let me close with this. Amber, give them hope by coming to the keyboard. Who would Jesus spend time with if he was walking on the earth? Listen to me. Who would Jesus spend time with if he was walking the earth right now? Who would Jesus be pursuing if he was walking this earth? What would Jesus be doing if he was walking the earth? I say to you this morning that he is walking the earth. And he's using your legs and my legs to do it. Jesus is walking this earth and he's using mine and your legs to do it. Stand with me across this place this morning. What I'm doing today is I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you just like Jesus stepped out on that sea of Galilee and he saw those fishermen and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was an invitation to those men. That invitation rings true today to each and every one of you. And I'm inviting you this morning to join a conspiracy of kindness that changes the landscape of this community. A divine conspiracy of love that brings people from darkness into light. And the way it's done today is by demonstrating the love of Christ in very simple ways. By starting each question, each situation with the question, what is the most loving thing I can do right now? And then by faith, doing it. Our mission at this church is very simple. Very simple. It's doing two things and doing two things very well. And that is the great commandment and the great commission. Love your God and your neighbor and go and make disciples. That's it. That's what we do. And if we'll do those two things and we'll focus our energies and attention on doing those two things well, watch out. Watch out. The river will not only be impacted, but every church in this community will be changed and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ that is being released from this house. Amen.
So let's become fishers in this house today. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after River. Till I found my